Hey, Cap fans, Rick here. I made a little mistake in today's episode. I was talking to Bob about a shelf talker for Galactic Storm, and I erroneously named the artist as Sal Buscema. It's really John Romita Sr. I'll post a pic of it in the Captain America Combo Book Fans Facebook group, and you can see it there. But uh, my bad, it's really John Romita Sr. Now, on with the show. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 109 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That is Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. Honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot. I'm not married. What? All right, you got me. You got me. I, I, I was thinking to myself, all right, he's going to try to come up with a movie or television bit. So, and I was like, what are my favorite movies from from 1992, right? I mean, several mm-hmm. pop pop into my head, but I, I, I don't know what that one is. That sounds familiar. I should know it. Well, but- what, if, what if I continued to walk in my delusion and then reach into the fridge, pull out a carton of milk and just start drinking it? I would probably still draw a blank, Rick. Okay. Yeah. I would be Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle. Ah, there it is. Batman Returns. Batman Returns. Yes. There you go. Yeah. So so why why am I picking that one, Bob? Well, I think it has something to do with that glorious year of 1992. It is. And in fact, not only 1992... But the number one movie in June of 1992 was Batman Returns. And that just so happens to be the month of the comic that we are reviewing today, Captain America 401, which is After the Storm. And in addition, who else does Michelle Pfeiffer play? What other superhero character does Michelle Pfeiffer play in the movies? She does play uh, Janet Van Dyne. Yes, who yeah. happens to also not only a big, uh, at least when we're recording this, a big uh, trailer drop for the new Ant-Man movie. Sure did. Right? So it's timely. Yeah. And Janet Van Dyne also is a character that is in the co- comic we're covering today in Cap 401. I, I have to admit, Rick, I am, a, I am a little disappointed. I love Batman Returns. Great movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pat, Danny DeVito, great. Great as the Penguin. Yeah. Lo- great movie. But I was hoping, since we were focusing on 1992, and I knew you were going to do a movie gag, I was hoping you were going to jump out of one of those big cakes and sing me happy birthday. Under Siege? Under Siege, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the name of that actress? Erica Alivia. <gasps> oh, right? From Baywatch. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Steven Seagal movies. Man, he has not aged well. <laughs> oh. Yeah, right. I swear, Good point. I, 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 I look on, like, facebook or you know and i see some friends or you know family members that are like you know doing like oh, this was me 10 years ago and here's me now and i'm like uh-uh no whoa no you don't want to no if you saw the picture of me 10 years ago yeah. and you saw the picture of me now you're like what happened right yeah that's why my linkedin profile photo is like 14 years old 
<laughs> I just noticed that the other day. I was like, wow, I look really good in that photo. My wife says, that photo is 14 years old. I took that in the living room of our old house in California. <laughs> That's why it looks so good. Oh, uh, yeah. Not quite sure how to take that. but I think I mentioned on this podcast when I went to go get my license at the DMV. And it was like, um, like I think I... I think I shaved my head like five years ago, right? And uh, back in the day, I had some, I had, I had good guy hair, right? And and so I go to get my license redone, and the woman behind the counter, she sees my old license, and then she looks at me. She's going, <laughs> I don't remember the exact words she said, but it was like, "Wow, life's been tough," <laughs> something like that. And I'm like, I'm like screw you you know if i don't say that right because no, because you want your license yeah, yeah right yeah and, and i was like oh anyway yeah yeah i'm let's just say i'm i'm follically challenged as compared to where i was 10 years ago well follicles happen man <laughs> uh all right so what else are we covering today well um we are you know we're going to get into uh, cap 401. And if you had listened in the last episode when we had our guest Mark White on, um, he did talk about this uh, issue as being a pivotal issue where Cap struggles with his um, place in the world, right? In his place on the Avengers, which is his world at this particular point. And, and whether or not, um, you know, he he still needs to be part of that. Uh, and we'll get into the, the story that leads up to that because there's this huge crossover, Bob, back in, in 1992 uh, across uh, a lot of, of the Marvel books back then, you know, definitely all the Avengers and the Avenger tie-in books, right? And the solo Avengers. Um, and it was called Operation Galactic Storm, the Cree shire War. Now, Bob, I am going to hold up here and I'll show you now I'll post a picture of this in, in the Facebook group. And if you're not a member, check it out. Captain America, comic book fans, Facebook group. Um, there is um, something I got on eBay, I think. Yeah. And do you know what this is, Bob? That looks like it might be some sort of uh, comic shop promotional item. Right? It is. It's called a shelf talker. And so it's something that sits on a shelf because this actually uh, the bottom portion bends out. So that way, when you put comics on there, this little graphic sits underneath the comic so that people can um, look on the wall and go, oh, here's a Galactic Storm tie-in. Oh, over here's a Galactic Storm tie-in. You know, it, it is. It's a smart little promotional way, right? But behind it, when you get through all the comics – the very back, there is a image of Captain America doing his his best Uncle Sam impersonation, pointing at you, saying, Captain America wants you to team up with the Avengers in the battle against the Kree and the Shire. And uh, do you know who this art? Uh, can you probably figure out who, what art this is? I, I, I'm, I'm guessing just from you, man, it ha would have to be it would have to be Zach. No, it looks nothing like Zach. No, I know, but I'm, I'm really disappointed. This is you. Why you would get it? No, no, I'm getting it because it's nostalgia, Bob. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it reminds me of 1992 when I okay. was just a uh, 
All right. a guy in college. But yeah. no, this is uh, this is Sal Basima. Yeah. Well, yeah. it does. It is Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's in black and white. Yeah. And then, then um, uh, with some some blue lettering on there. Um, but yeah, anyway, now, I picked, now, that, picked that up did, on eBay and did, it's kind of cool. Did Sal do the art for that or is that a borrowed? No, he he did it just for the promotion. Just for the promotion. Oh, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the Facebook group, Bob, um, I love it when our our listeners go onto the Facebook group and like comment on the episodes. Um, I so I have two that I want to, to cover two, with two two listeners. No, we we have at least four. <laughs> right, right, good. Okay, good. No, I lost a couple. I was worried. <laughs> now I I uh now I have two comments um on Facebook that I I want to I want to talk about. So um in episode 106 and episode 107. So I post them up there on the Facebook group um saying hey everybody this the new episode's out, you know, here's what it's about, here are the links and blah blah blah. And then people go underneath and they comment. Well, you know what? On one, episode 106, which is the one we did um from 1971, which was uh, Cap and Falcon versus Spider Man. We didn't get any comments. We didn't get any comments, Bob. None. You commented, but that was it. And I was really surprised, not because we didn't get any comments. I was certain I was going to get cursed out by by the listeners saying that they had the Bob Lucius Bob Lucius song stuck in their head. Right, earworm. Right. Yeah. But no one did. Nobody. Yeah. Apparently I am the only one who had that stupid song stuck in my head for weeks. Yeah. I still need to get that, uh, uh, isolated as my ringtone. So you really should. Yeah. If I were you, awesome meetings, (laughs) you know, you don't mute your phone when you're meeting phone. Not if I have a cool ringtone. No. Oh, well, that would be a cool ringtone. Wouldn't it? Yeah. A song about your name. Come on. Right. Exactly. Who would mute that? All right. You're, I know what, I am throwing down the gauntlet, Bob. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. You need to come up with a Rick Verbana song. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I can do that. I'm 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 known around my house for jingles. So oh, yeah. 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 I'm a real jingle sort of guy. I'll put anything. Cooking dinner, anything. I'll put it to music. I'll sing it. I'll sing it along. I okay. hate it. So. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be original. Yeah, you could yeah. put it to an, a well known tune, change the lyrics like I did, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got my homework. All right. Uh, but someone did comment on episode 107, which was the last episode. And well, sorry, the last one that came out. <laughs> I keep forgetting when we're recording these things. Um, but it was the one uh, about trick or treat, you know, and the one that uh, you got wrong. Uh, Grant Ball came to your your defense. Come on, Grant. We, uh, I thought you and I had a an understanding. But whatever. Um, so the uh, Michael C. Johnson, he uh, he corrected me on something, and it is now something that I will remember probably for the rest of my life going forward. Yes, right. What's my favorite candy, Bob? <laughs> Reese's Pieces, not Reese's Pieces. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I've always, you know, I don't know if it's uh, where I'm from or whatever, but I've always called it Reese's, right? I mean, that's, that's what I call it. So he said, Rick, I need to take issue with your mentions of Reese's. These are cups 
belonging to Reese, hence the apostrophe S. If they were yours, they'd be Rick's, not Rixies. Reese's, not Reese's. A good mnemonic is to remember that it rhymes with pieces because, you know, Reese's pieces, not Reese's pieces. Rhymes with pieces, not feces. <laughs> anyway, a great episode. So uh, thank you for that, Michael. I will now hopefully remember how to uh, say correctly my favorite candy. You know, you got to appreciate when somebody not just listens to the episode, you know, when they're cleaning their house, driving their car, but they're actually paying attention to the details. Right. So kudos to, to Michael. Well, he could be paying attention to details or I could have just triggered him. That, that, <laughs> that could have been that thing yeah. that, that has bothered him his entire life whenever he hears someone say that. Or or he could just be, a you know, someone who uh, who cares enough to make sure I don't make that same faux pas. That's right. Nobody wants to pass them, pass, pass the mistake. He called me out on psychopathy as well. So that's true. Uh, and, and as I still I, think it was a word you made up. I, you know, I clearly it wasn't, you know, and, uh, and I don't know why I said that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I made it up. Let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the uh, orange Bob, Jameson's talking, but who knows? Bob, Bob's got a time limit. I don't know if you folks know this. It's like, he's like, all right, how quickly can we get this episode over? Uh, if we ever, 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 go long you can always blame me <laughs> it's never going to be bob that is true <laughs> it's never going to be true. like he's never going to stop yeah. and go hey hey rick i've got a story about that <laughs> right yeah true true enough right yeah i, I look at the, i'm like all right someone just did a 30 minute commute all right next window <laughs> is the person with the 45 minute commute oh this person's now he's listening on his way home oh uh, uh, yeah i have a little tick marks on my on my clock <laughs> Uh, so, so basically we should get to it is what good idea. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we are going to be covering uh, Operation Galactic Storm Fallout. It's called After the Storm. And the, so Bob, I don't know. Not everybody probably read Operation Galactic Storm, or if they were like me, they probably haven't done it for 30 years. Um, should I give a, a synopsis? I think you should, Rick, you know, because I, I, I will be honest with you, I've read bits and pieces of it. I, you know, I, I read like mostly Captain America stuff, but I didn't, I didn't read all the tie-ins and everything, even back in the day, uh, certainly back in 1992, I was busy doing other stuff and I haven't really since. that's a lot of, di- it was a lot of different tie-ins for a lot of, a lot of uh, series that like, weren't like 
really the the normal reading material for for me anyway and probably for mm-hmm. a lot of folks yeah all right fair enough all right it was so an eclectic right it was an eclectic mix of books uh yeah i think it was like captain america iron man quasar maybe thor and of course avengers i think it was all avengers related west coast avengers you know i don't, I don't think it was like and spider-man you know what i mean like i i, I think it was mostly avengers or avengers related books all right, so I'm going to go into marvel.fandom.com. They have a synopsis on here that um, I'll read. Uh, listen, if you uh, if you don't, if you already know this part of the story, you probably skip ahead two minutes. War comes to the solar system. Captain America goes to meet Rick Jones, who's been having dreams of Captain America with a bulbous tentacled head. During the meeting between Rick Jones and Captain America, Rick Jones is taken captive by the Shire Imperial Guard, who probe Rick Jones in an attempt to learn where the isn't that isn't that always the case, Bob? When aliens come to the planet, they 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 pull someone away and they probe them. There's always some probing going on. Yeah, there really I know. Is. Worries me. Who probe Rick Jones in an attempt to learn where the Psych Magnetron is located? After fighting a Kree Sentry, Captain America and the West Coast Avengers tracked down Rick and rescued him, but not before the Imperial Guard was able to get what they wanted. Quasar then went in pursuit of the Shire. Quasar soon finds himself in the middle of a fight between the Imperial Guard and two Kree operatives, which is over Captain America's I'm sorry, Captain Marvel's megabands. Atlas took the bands and upon activating them, switched places with Rick Jones, who had arrived on the moon without an air supply. Atlas was defeated by Wonder Man, who then freed Rick Jones from the Negabands. Meanwhile, back in Kree space, the Kree Eternal Ultimus was recruited by the Supreme Intelligence. During their investigation of the destruction of the Starcore space station, the Avengers discovered that the culprits were the Shire. Learning that the Shire and Kree were at war with each other and were using Earth space as hyperspace midway point, which was destabilizing the sun, Captain America then divided the East and West Coast Avengers into three teams. One team was sent to the Kree Empire, another was to remain on Earth, and a third one was sent to the Shire Empire. The rogue Shire princess, Deathbird returned and joined forces with the Shire while Supreme Intelligence revealed his newly created strike team consisting of Supreme Super Powered Kree Starforce. The Avengers team sent to the Kree Empire was attacked by Starforce due, due to the actions of Iron Man, forcing the team to surrender to the Kree. Meanwhile, the Avengers team that was assigned to the Shire Empire got sidetracked as they end up in a firefight between the Kree and Shire. The Imperial Guard mistakenly assumed that the Avengers were there as allies of the Kree. During the battle, Thor destroyed the Shire Stargate after sending Gladiator through it. During the skirmish, it is discovered that a scroll operative was disguised as a, as a Kree. Through the use of her magic, Cersei, she's one of the Eternals, Bob. Thank you, Rick. Helps the Avengers escape Kree captivity. The Kree Star Force attempt to intercept them as it would help them in their bid to restore control of the Kree Empire to the Supreme Intelligence. Back on Earth, the Avengers team left behind failed to prevent the theft of Marvel's Negabands by the Imperial Guard due to the unprofessional actions and attitude of their team leader, U.S. Agent. The Shire ship was chased by Quasar and her, whom were forced to fight the Imperial Guard. 
Quasar damaged the star drive, stranding those on board, by which time the Imperial Guard had already transmitted two negabands to Shire Space. Using the power of the negabands, the Shire created a portal in space which would permit them to send the negabomb directly into Kree Empire via Earth space. Wonder Man and the Vision boarded the ship carrying the bomb to stop its use, which was being piloted by the Star Jammers, who clashed with the heroes until they learned what their mission was, at which point they abandoned the Negabomb. In the Kree Empire, Deathbird assassinated the current ruling Kree leaders, which resulted in the Supreme Intelligence regaining control of the Kree. Star Force defeated and captured the Avengers team, after which the Supreme Intelligence ordered their execution. Goliath, and I'm pretty sure this is um, Clint Bart, a.k.a. Hawkeye. Goliath was able to convince Deathbird to free the Avengers, though they were forced to leave Captain America behind. The team headed out to space in an attempt to stop the Negabomb, which was found floating in space by a Skrull ship which commandeered the bomb. Majestrix Liliandra began to have second thoughts about using the Negabomb, but was convinced to stay the course by her advisor, Araki. Starforce attempted to assassinate Liliandra, but she was defended by not only the Imperial Guard, but also the Avengers. Liliandra ordered the cancellation of the mission, but was unable to recall the Negabomb as it was now under scroll control. Back on Hala, Captain America was forced to fight a series of old enemies. They turned out to be constructs that were created by the Supreme Intelligence. Meanwhile, the rest of the team, led by Iron Man, were racing to intercept the Negabomb. During a clash between the Imperial Guard and the Avengers back on the Shi'ar throne world, it was revealed that Araki was actually a scroll imposter, which convinced Lilandra that the war needed to end and peace restored between the Shi'ar and Kree empires. But first, the Negabomb needed to be stopped. Her attempt to stop the Skrulls was defeated by the Super Skrull. Quasar was warned by the Skrulls that they would detonate the Negabomb in Earth space if he interfered with their mission to deliver the bomb to the Kree Empire. Quasar let them continue. Hmm. Let's pause there for a minute, Bob. Do you think Cap would have, uh, if they threatened, like, listen, if you don't let us take this bomb over to this other galaxy to destroy this other galaxy. We're going to detonate it in your galaxy. Do you think Cap would have let them through? Probably not. You know, yeah. Cap would find a way. Right? There's always a way. That's that's Cap. So. Yeah, I agree. Bye. So Quasar let them continue, prioritizing the investigation on the sun's sunspot activity. With the help of her and Binary, Quasar pulled the sunspots, which were generated by antimatter, into the quantum zone. All right, we're getting to the end here, Bob. Vision and Wonder Man attempted prevent, to prevent the delivery of the Negabomb by stopping the scroll ship towing the bomb. The two Avengers teams that were sent to the Shire and Kree Empires then arrived but they are too late as the bomb detonated with Wonder Man still on board. The Shire were victorious, but they didn't celebrate their victory as their long-distance scans let them witness the cataclysmic devastation brought about by the Negabomb, which resulted in the death of billions. 
the fallen Avengers were recovered by Thor and Quasar, having been saved by Cersei's magic, including Wonder Man and Vision, who were at the epicenter of the explosion. Back on Hala, Captain America was recovered by Deathbird. In the aftermath, the Supreme Intelligence revealed to the two of them and the rest of the Avengers who had arrived that the destruction caused by the Megabomb was part of his master plan to kickstart the evolution of the Kree. Captain Atlas asked the Avengers to avenge the Kree by killing the Supreme Intelligence, after which he and Dr. Minerva committed suicide via the use of a dis- disintegration beam. The Avengers debated what to do and they split into two factions. And this is the important part of the story we're covering today, Bob. One was led by Captain America, which was against murdering the Supreme Intelligence, and the other led by Iron Man, saying he should be executed. The latter team then attacked the Supreme Intelligence, defeated the constructs he created, and killed him with Black Knight's energy sword. After which, Lalandra arrived, claiming the Kree Empire for the Shire Empire. Deathbird was made the Viceroy of the Conquered Territory, with the Star Force as her personal guard. Unknown to them all, this too was part of the Supreme Intelligence plan. His Matrix had survived and was uploaded into a nearby starship. Any questions, Bob? I think that just about summarizes it, Rick. That's a lot. Not- that's a lot going on, though. It is. I saw you nodding off. Yeah, yeah. It's a long story. Complicated. It it's a, it's a complicated story too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like you know a lot of comics. These big arcs, these, even the big tie-ins, are fairly simple and straightforward. But this one was a very complicated one. Indeed. All right. Aren't you glad we didn't spend four episodes covering those? I'm a little bit, although I'm, I'm disappointed I didn't get to read the Wonder Man tie-in issues. Mm, that's true yeah all right so that brings us to captain america 401 this is after the storm so basically they're back to earth the avengers are here and cap isn't having it he's not happy with how everything went down so as i mentioned before this has a cover date of june 1992 so i think it probably hit you know maybe in you know um march april of 1992 what were you doing in march or april of 1992 bob i uh let's see what the hell was i doing i was living in uh, yuma arizona and uh it was hot Mm. super hot and Mm -hmm. uh, i was uh i was like a first lieutenant in the marine corps at the time who knows what i was doing i was probably you know doing what first lieutenants in the marine corps do getting drunk and preparing for war (laughs) you know Putting those two things in the same sentence is a little scary. Yeah, it is a little bit, but that's how, I guess that's how you get through it. So, um, yeah, so not quite galactic storm. You know, it's funny, Rick, when I went in the military, when I went to military college, it was at the height of the Soviet Union. So mm. I was super prepared. I had my, my Red Army handbook. And, mm. You know, they published every year. It was like a study of the, of the Soviet military, you know, and... I was I was raring to go against the Soviet hordes, and by the time I graduated from college, the Soviet Union was gone, <laughs> defunct. Right? It was crazy times back then. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, I think what was happening in 1992, uh, Bill Clinton was going into office, right? Yeah. I, I, it was right around the time, I think, uh, the first Iraq war, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I was just finishing up my senior year in college. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. Yeah. Uh, and and so who were the creators back then? So Mark Grunewald was the writer, um, which I think you probably could have guessed because uh, it'd be hard not to be Mark Grunewald in a 10-year period. The penciler was Rick Levins, inker Danny Bolandi, colorist Christy Scheel and Gina Going, letterer Joe Rosen, and the editor Ralph Macchio. <laughs> you know you yeah i knew you wanted to do it there you go <laughs> all right uh you want to talk about the cover tell, tell us about the cover bob so uh interesting cover rick right it's it's cap uh i think you and i have probably at one point in our careers if not just this week have sat at our desk looking exactly like <laughs> cap is looking right now you know he's he's sitting there with his shoulders slumped and his his arms on the hand rest. It's a little bit of a top-down look. So you see his desk. He's got his shield there. He's got all of the his phone, his, of course, his, his pen stand, his in and out box. And you can tell that he's just very sort of lost in thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like he almost looks like sad or depressed or mm-hmm. um, yeah, maybe those aren't the right words, but it's dejected. Dejected is the word I'm going for. And then mm-hmm. all around him you see uh, the heads of various folks. So you see, you know, Scarlet Witch and, and uh, Wanda Maximoff. You see uh, Dennis Dumphy and Falcon and Peggy Carter and Mockingbird. You see Crossbones and Thor and Iron Man. And so all these characters that were prominent uh, in uh, various parts of Galactic Storm uh, or who will be in this story are, are featured. So, and he's, he's clearly, he's thinking about all these different people, right? I, I'm assuming that's why they're there. These are people that are, their, their memories, their words, uh, their actions are weighing on him in some way. Yeah. No, it's a good description. Absolutely. And it has a Captain America logo in the red, white, and blue. Um, above that, it, it says very prominently after the storm in the font of the galactic storm. Um, and I think they were just, you know, basically like, hey, everybody, if you read Galactic Storm, you got to read after the storm. Um, and then the logo up at the top is uh, the corner box logo is is uh, a charging cap. Um, looks like it's done by Ron Lim, and it has a dollar twenty five Bob and the Comics Code Authority the stamp of excellence. Is it? No. Well, for your mom and dad, it is. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. So we get to the opening. Um, splash page and there is captain america with his in uniform with his shield strapped on his back so over his shoulders and he is standing in front of a table with his left fist down and his right palm down with his fingers stretched out and there's shadows on his face so you don't see his eyes and um you know before we get to that i'm gonna read bob the opening because you know, there's a lot of times we don't read the um, the little top portion. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, the, the technical term is blurb. <laughs> thanks. And it says, um, Steve Rogers, born in the USA, 
raised to cherish the ideals of democracy, endowed with a superhuman physique, and driven to be the most capable combatant in the world. Now, as both lone crusader and leader of the renowned Avengers, he fights an ongoing battle for liberty, justice, and the American dream. Stan Lee presents Captain America. I don't think I've ever read that before, that particular one. It's a good one. It's a good one. I like it says he fights for uh, liberty, justice, and the American dream, not the American way. Right. That's a different guy. Yeah. 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 Because we all know Cap supports the American dream. That's that's what he's he's all about. I also think it's interesting. You know, we can go back and forth about it. I think we could do a whole show about this, right? Um, But when Cap was created, the idea was to create uh, somebody with a a superhuman physique, but also uh, an intelligence to go along with that, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes they mention that and and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they focused on the physique, but that is uh, equally important, I, I would say. You know, that's a really good point. I, I think that is so uh, overlooked and underappreciated. Um, I know there are times that has been brought up that, you know, his his intellect was also increased. Um, you know, I, I think times I could recall that it being mentioned was when he was, you know, studying battle plans and studying uh, history of war. And, you know, when, you know, when they put him through those types of, you know, the U.S. Army you know, put him through that, that type of training, um, you know, that his mind was able to capture all of that. And, and he's a, a master strategist. And that, that's part of the serum, part of the, the super soldier serum that has allowed him to have that, which, um, which really makes the fact that the character and the morals and the ethics behind all of that is what makes him Captain America, right? That's right. You yeah, know, that's what makes Steve Rogers so special is the fact that, yeah, he's got this advanced physique and he's got this advanced mental capacity, but without that that core center of who Steve Rogers is behind it, you know, that's what makes him the hero. Right, and that's what we saw unfold right in the much uh, uh reviled hydra supreme uh arc right was mm. what happens when you have somebody with the superhuman physique and the intelligence to go with it but without the moral and the values um that steve rogers has the steve rogers we know yeah that's such an excellent point and i i, I you know i say to everybody out there who hadn't read the Hydra Supreme story arc, whether it was Secret Empire or the, the Steve Rogers Captain America uh, volume, it's worth a read for that reason. And 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 unlike when you were in it and you were just kind of like appalled by <gasps> Steve Rogers is Hydra, Steve Rogers, you know, in, in, and just being so upset by it. Now that you know it's over and you know that it moves on, it's almost like a what if story, right? Like you can read it and appreciate like it's a good story it really is i mean and it, it is a cautionary tale right it's supposed to make you think of what what could have happened had the wrong man been selected or, or woman for that matter right if, if a clinton mcintyre or you know uh, you know we've seen what happened with burnside you know we we've seen 
other people who have tried to step into the shoes. And uh, it all comes back to who Steve Rogers was before the serum, right? Even as they say in the movies, it's, it's, it's being a good man first mm-hmm. uh, before being uh, a, you know, a superhero or a super yeah. soldier. Yeah. A hundred percent. So then Cap says, all in favor of having me step down as the chief executive and commanding officer of the two branches of Avengers, signify by saying, I. Well, that's a hell of a opening splash, Bob. That kind of pulls you in, right? That's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful one. Yeah. So then we cut to the next page, but it's not just the next page, Bob. It is a double page splash. Now, what does that mean for the, for listeners out there who don't know that? And by the way, I am hoping for our loyal listeners who have been, you know, listening to this podcast for a while, they're learning a little bit about art and they already know the answer. Like, Ooh, ooh they're like, they're like a uh, horse shack and welcome back Cotter. Oh, 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 right. Yeah. And they're like, I know the answer to that. Mr. I know the answer. Carter. Yeah. That was a great show, by the way. What? <laughs> yeah. I was just, just the other night I was thinking to myself, who are the main, who are the main characters, right? Obviously Mr. Epstein. Yeah. Uh, not Mr. Epstein. Epstein was one of the kids. Oh, Epstein. Yeah. Yeah. With, right? his, with, yeah. His, with his notes. Yeah. With his notes, like signed Epstein's mother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where I learned the technique. Didn't work for me either. Uh, mm. Yeah. Right. Horseshack, uh, Vinnie Barbarino. Uh, was it Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Washington. Yeah. Washington. With the big fro. Yeah. With the big fro. And then uh, there was all those other kids in the background that like very, you know, occasionally had a speaking part, but not yeah, really. Yeah. I was looking at a picture of that the other day. I don't know what showed up on my, my scene, um, like my feed or something like that. And I saw that and I was like, did, did we really think they were teenagers? Like those actors? I mean, like they look 30, right. yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or 25 or 30, yeah. you know? I guess it's no different than, you know, Beverly Hills 90210 or whatever. That I just remember thinking Mr. Cotter's wife was pretty cute. Oh, yeah. You know, you know who else I thought was cute back then? Not the principal. Uh, no. Bob. Okay. I'm just, I'm just asking. Yeah. yeah. No, I was thinking um, around that same time period, uh, Mindy from Mork and Mindy. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Pam Dahmer. Uh, yeah, Pam Dahmer. Yeah, it was around the same time, right? Those are good shows. Yeah, yeah, around around the same time. Nanu, nanu. Nanu, nanu, that's right. Yes. (laughs) All right, so we get to the double-page splash. And Bob, this is, you know, first of all, look, I'm going to admit, I'm not a big Rick Levins fan, okay? Um, But he did a nice job here. Um, Because what we're looking at, we're inside the Avengers Mansion. And you know that, that, hollowed table the avengers table right it's that big round table that has an a on it and then there's chairs all around it well in this particular case we have the east coast avengers we have the west coast avengers so we have a very very large group of people here and one thing that i noticed bob i don't know if you noticed this but i did the ladies are all sitting in the chairs i did notice that yeah 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 the men are are allowing the ladies uh, to have their chairs very gallant, very 
very, very um, gentlemanly like. Yeah. Except for Spider Woman. She's <laughs> poor Spider Woman. And it's not Jessica Jones or Jessica Drew, Drew right? Yeah. yeah. Not Jessica Drew Spider Man. It's the uh, the one from Secret Wars with the orange hair. Carpenter. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, I think Julie Julie Carpenter. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the only one that's standing. But is that? I thought that was interesting. So, all right, Bob, go around the room. Tell the listeners who who is here in this room. Oh, for goodness sakes, man! I you know this is. The, did I, I put you on the spot? Yeah, you did. But I mean, I can I can name probably uh, probably ninety percent of these. Obviously, we've got Quasar and Colonel Jameson. We got Spider Woman, uh, Star Fox. Uh, who's that guy in the back that's got the shoulder pads? I, I don't. I'm sorry. Who is Colonel Jameson? Isn't that the guy in the purple? No, that's Hank Pym. Oh, is it Hank? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was the Colonel. No. I didn't, Hank, I, 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 I don't know why I didn't think he had uh, such light hair. Um, all right. All right. My, uh, my bad. So, but again, who's the guy with the shoulder pads? Oh, um, in the back there. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, uh, he's an Hispanic guy. He was kind of new. Um, mm. I am living, living lightning. Oh, I think it was yeah. his name. All right. right. Santos or something. Right. Yeah. Miguel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then we got Star Fox is Hercules. Is that Hercules? Uh, Hercules. Her- uh, Black Knight. You got Black Widow. Wait, you, wait, you passed on the guy next to Hercules. Well, I, I'm, I, I, I wasn't, I'm not following an order here, Rick. Uh, <laughs> you were totally going in order. You went yeah, I was, but right. then I went to Black Knight. I was going to start a couple of the ladies, you know, mix it up a little bit. I wasn't going to leave the guy ass. between Black Knight and... Isn't that Gilgamesh? It is Gilgamesh. All right. I, All right. Thought, for, I thought for a minute there, you <clears throat> forgot about him. Oh, that's so sad. You don't get it? No, I don't get it. Isn't, isn't he known as like the forgotten one? Oh, I don't know. Is he? You forgot? You know who's going to call me out on this one? Uh, Michael Johnson. (laughs) Because I don't know if you know, but he is a huge fan of of that uh, legend. What legend? Legend. Okay. Yeah. No, he's known as as the forgotten one. That that was hence my joke. Oh, okay. It was a good joke. I thought so. Some folks are going to love it. Uh, Black (laughs) Widow, Cersei. Cersei. Uh, wait, 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 finish up with the guys standing behind the girls. All right, this is going to go on all night, folks. All right, we got uh, Hercules, Iron Hercules, Man. Hercules, Hercules. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, Rick's, Rick's super excited. We got, um, uh, who's the icy guy there? Um, Chris, uh, no. Um, Are you serious? I, I don't know these people, Rick. I read Captain America. I don't read avengers and west coast avengers these aren't people i i know anything who's about. the icy guy that's the vision oh is that vision that's the all white vision well, all right i've got a really tiny view here uh and i wasn't aware that that was vision i can't really see him yeah that's vision. all right all right well we got goliath clint barton goliath uh there was thor in the foreground i think that's the back side of uh, wonder man uh, if I may get to the ladies now, we've got She-Hulk and Wanda. Uh, we've got Mockingbird, right? Uh, Crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Is that is that supposed to be? I don't know who that is. In the I think that's Janet Van Dyne. Is that Janet? All right. Yeah. I, I thought it looked too young to be Peggy. 
Um, we've got uh, Ms. Marvel. Wait, right? which Ms. Marvel? Uh, Monica Rambo. Okay, so that's Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Uh, Cersei and Black Widow. Yes. Um, and I would just point out that that Thor during this time period mm-hmm. is actually Mr. Eric Masterson. Eric right? Masterson. Yeah. 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 I, I know nothing about him. He was like the replacement Thor and then he became Thunderstrike. Anyway, so thank you for pointing that out. I, I, I hear a little DC in my head when you said Thunderstrike. Oh. Excellent job. That'd be a nice piece to own right there, Rick, wouldn't it? Yeah, except I'm not a big Rick Levins fan. Oh, so after, after Cap said, everybody say I if you want me to resign as, as uh, the leader. And then you have Black Knight saying, come on, Captain, none of us is going to vote for that. And then Tony Stark says, look, you think the contingent Avengers responsible for terminating the Supreme Intelligence, who, I might remind you, is responsible for the deaths of untold billions of Kree, ought to have some disciplinary action brought against them. The majority of us here have voted against that. That doesn't mean we want to take your job away. It just means that many of us disagree with you as far as what constitutes appropriate conduct in a time of war. And then we have Clint Barton as Goliath. This galactic storm thing has left a lot of us really stressed out, Cap. All of us, the two space teams as well as the home team, busted our humps the past few weeks. How about we adjourn this debriefing already? We can always do a follow-up if need be after we've had a little R&R. Hey Bob, what's R and R mean? You know, I'm glad you asked, Rick. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's short for rest and relaxation. Where does that come from? That's a that's a military slang term. Mm. Back in the day, they don't still say it. Yeah, we do actually still use it. Uh, at least I assume they do. I've been out for a while now, but but it really does come from World War II era. Okay. Very well. Just one last item. Tonight at 19.30, I'm giving a seminar of superhuman ethics. I urge you all to attend. And then we have Thor here. Uh, Captain, is it mandatory? I got to see my boy before he forgets he even has a father. No, voluntary. Just asking. Meetings adjourned. And Cap walks, turns his back to everybody and walks out. Sheok is like, whew, I've never seen him cap so tense. Black Widow thinks, poor Steve. But then Quasar flies in the room to chase after Cap. Excuse me, everybody. Hey, Quasar, stop being a show-off. Say, Cap, wait up. It didn't want to bring it up back there and waste everyone else's time with it, but, um, oh, I was thinking of taking a leave of absence for the Avengers. As I told you during my membership interview way back when, the cosmic entity responsible for my quantum bands appointed me protector of the universe. And well, I don't think I've been doing such a hot job living up to that title by staying earthbound as much as I have. 
who knows if I had found a way to be a better protector, I might've learned about the Cree Shire war sooner and been able to save some lives. If you're thinking of leaving immediately. I realize this is short notice, but I want to check it on, on the Cree empire. See if there's anything I can do for the survivors. I do want to attend your seminar tonight though. Don't worry about it. You're not one of the Avengers. I feel needs a lecture on ethics. Thanks. You'll be a hard man to replace, Quasar. But the Kree, the universe, undoubtedly needs you more than the Avengers do. Keep me posted on your activities, you hear? Will do, sir. And whenever you're in the vicinity, you'll always be welcome here. Once an Avenger. Thanks, Cap. It means a lot to me. You're the greatest. And he flies off. Yeah. But the greatest what? And you know what's uh, interesting about this, Bob? Uh, do you know who the writer of Quasar was at this time? I have no idea. Mark Groom. Was it? Yeah. Huh. So Mark Mark created, I think he helped create, or either create or helped create the character of Quasar. And that was a book that he was on for, for quite some time. Not nearly as long as he was for Captain America, but but he was on Quasar for quite some time. So I, I believe he was writing it at this time. And, and so that's why probably he wanted to, dive a little bit more into Quasar in this story. So then Cap walks into the communication center and who's there waiting for him, but Peggy Carter. And she's surprised to see him. Cap. And she goes up and hugs him. Oh, so good to see you back. Were you in outer space all this time? I was so worried. Um, sorry. You should slap me when I start acting like a mother hen. She looks embarrassed. It's all right, Peggy. The Falcon and U.S. agent were not at the debriefing. What's their mission status? Oh, we received a call three days ago from your old enemy, Flag Smasher. It had something to do with a friend of yours I never met. Demolition Man? And they went to investigate. D-Man? Put a tracer on that Quinjet and called John Jameson. I want to follow up on it at once. Sorry, Steve, but your pilot hasn't reported in since you left for space. I think he may be out looking for Diamondback. You mean she haven't heard a peep from her in almost three weeks? And then Cap kind of sits in a chair and collapses and puts his head in his palms of his hands as he, on, on his elbows on his knees. I go away and the whole world falls apart. Peggy goes to comfort him. And then we clip up and then we skip over to next panel and we see, who do we see, Bob? Uh, we see uh, Crossbones, a uh, Rick, uh, all uh, incognito, wearing a trench coat and a fedora. And we see him with his hand uh, wrapped around the upper arm of uh, what appears to be Diamondback who also is not in her normal costume, but is, is wearing herself some sort of, of jacket disguising her. Yeah, the whole incognito thing is BS. I mean, it, it it's kind of like when Benjamin Grimm, right? The thing right. wore yeah. a trench coat and a fedora. Like, I'm sorry, you're too big and, you're, and your face is still showing. Right, yeah. But anyway, 
but it's it's um it's a riverside avenue on the upper west side of manhattan and it looks like it's kind of snowy out right it's winter time which is strange bob because this book is coming out in march or april and crossbones looks at diamondback and says what's the matter ratzel and he calls her uh ratzel instead of rachel because you know he's punny like that for weeks now you've been begging me to let you out of our abandoned subway station hideaway and now that i finally give in to your whining you're embarrassing me for walking like a fee you know very well why i'm too weak to walk straight, Crossbones. I'm starving. You haven't given me a decent meal in weeks. Yeah, I guess I've been a little bit stingy in the grub department. But you gotta admit, it did the trick. Took the fighting spirit right out of What do you usually call yourself? Diamond butt? Anyway, toots, you and me are going for on a field trip. I'm sick of the big rotten apple. Give me a sec to hotwire this jalopy. And then he busts a uh, a window on a car. Is that a Fiero? Is that a Pontiac Fiero, Rick? Wow. It could be. It very could be. Because it is a small car. It it's is. a two-seater. You know, Bob, I, I will say back back in the day when uh, I was like probably like 14, 15, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to get my license soon. You know what I want to buy? I want to buy a Pontiac Fiero. Like I had my eyes set on those. Those are cool looking cars, right? They were terrible cars, but yeah, they were cool at the time. I I remember, uh, I remember wanting one myself um, at the time, but thank goodness I didn't get one. It was such a small car. uh, And my parents were like, no, you were absolutely not getting a a Fiero. That's like, like a death trap. You get hit. You're like crushed. You're done. Yeah. You need a, you need a car like you know. They want me like at a tank or something. Right. I got a Dodge Daytona. That was my first like real car. Oh yeah. I, what year? It was. It was a 1989. Wow. A 1989 Dodge you almost Daytona. got like a brand new car. Yeah. Right out of college, like second lieutenant. Got a Holy crap! Car. Your first car was almost brand new. It was brand new. It was right off the no. lot. Yeah. Really. 10,000 bucks. Wowzers. Yeah. It's candy apple red. It's beautiful. Yeah. What was it again? Candy apple red. No, no, the car. It was a Dodge Daytona. A Dodge Daytona. Yeah. Uh, you ready for this, Bob? Uh-huh. My second car was a Chrysler Laser. A Laser? Isn't that, isn't that, wasn't like the, the, the Laser and the Dodge Daytona basically the same car? They, they were basically the same car. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a laser. I I, I heard that in my head too. Yeah. Yeah. So much cooler. That was my second car. And you know what? Uh, Here you go, Bob. My, my uh, Chrysler laser, I bought it used. That was my second car. But guess what it had on it, Bob? It had a bra, a leather bra. Oh yeah. Now that's class. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's people right now cringing. Yeah. Like there's probably a ton of people listening right now. They're like, what the heck is he talking yeah. about? But then you, if you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. Right? I wanted a bra on the Daytona, but I, that was just like a bridge too far. I couldn't swing it. Yeah. Mine came with it. 
Yeah. Mine just came with wow. it. So I didn't, I didn't pay extra for anything. Like yeah. It came with a, a leather bra. Now people listening, they're like, what is he talking about? Well, so what we, what we had back then was a, it was a, an add-on that you put on a car, right? It was like a, an additional type of thing, right? You know, and, and you would, you would lift the hood and then you would wrap this leather or faux leather or whatever uh, piece of cloth over that, that had, that also went over your headlights, but had to, you know, cut out so your headlights would work and then cut out so your grill could get air. And, but it was the front of your car. So that way, when you went, you drove and like you, you bugs, you know, would hit it, it wasn't ruining your paint. It was just rubbing it raw underneath the bra. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. Where the rest yeah. of your paint's fading from the sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This was not. That was not. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but it was a cool looking thing. I mean, like, you know, nowadays, like, you know, right. maybe that, I mean, maybe they would look at rims or something like that. Or I don't I know. I hadn't even thought about uh, bras on cars for a long, long time. You know, it's one of those things that it comes and it goes and you didn't realize that it went. Yeah, yeah, but it was it, big at the time. Yeah, yeah, for maybe three, four years. I don't yeah, know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my first car that I bought in 1986 was a 10 year old 1976 Chevy Camaro V8 305 maroon. And uh, that was a heck of a first car. And I paid for it with my own money. Uh, wasn't, you know, but my first car was 10 years old, but still it was a Camaro. It was a cool car. That's sweet. That's it sweet. really was. Yeah. Nice. Mine was a Datsun uh, B210. 210, B210? I thought you just said your first car. No, was... no. That my first new car. That was my oh. first new car with a car that I had, you know, uh, you know, right after I graduated from high school and stuff I got was uh, a hand-me-down I, I got from my brother-in-law. I bought from him and that was like an old beater Datsun B210 where like, it was a stick shift, but it had that, you know, they had this sort of like the, the rubbery material around the stick shift, yeah. you know, right. Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. you could lift that up and you could actually see the road going by underneath. So <laughs> like you could jump trash out, you know, through the stick shift hole. It was, uh, it was pretty funky, but, uh, but yeah, that was my first car. The first okay. new car was the, the Dodge Daytona. Hmm. Yeah, my first new car. Oh, I don't even know. Anyway, let's get back to the comic. Uh, oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah. Ah, feels great to go mobile, don't it? Where are you taking me? I told you, babe, a field trip. I promise you, you'll like it much better than the subway. I got a nice peaceful place in mind for you. Real peaceful. No one around but earthworms. You're you're going to bury me alive? Hmm. Not exactly. Well, that's scary. It's a little creepy, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I heard someone say "not exactly," my mind would go to, "No, I'm not going to bury you alive. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to bury you." Yeah, Crossbones is not the sort of guy that like you want to play word games with. Hey, no. Right. Yeah. All right, so we cut to the next panel, which is very uh, much what the the cover is based on, right? This cap sunken in his chair, 
he he he's very sunken in it right he's not sitting upright right and he's got his mask down but his uniform on his shield on the table and he's looking at his computer screen and he doesn't look very happy organization's a mess keep trying to stabilize the membership but if it's not one thing it's another reserves are particularly in shambles spider-man and namor didn't respond to the emergency summons at the onset of operation galactic storm guess i can't count on them to be backups who's that leave oh what's the use maybe i should throw in the towel maybe somebody with newer fresher ideas could keep this ragtap group going better than me and on the screen we see beast hellcat she-hulk falcon submariner quicksilver ant-man rage moon dragon all inactive and then jocasta deceased you know who jocasta is bob i have no idea she was uh with vision for a while wasn't she yeah she was uh an android like like vision she yeah. was uh the bride of frankenstein if you don't mind you know mind mm-hmm. the comparison okay seems like my style of professional behavior is out of fashion at odds with this increasingly violent society. Maybe guys like the the Punisher, Cable, and Wolverine are the answer to the kinds of threats America faces today. Maybe bad attitudes and lax moral codes are the only way to make headway. The values I've striven for my entire career seem so unattainable in this present climate. But without them, what am I? I'm just going to pause here for a sec, Bob, because... This is an important panel. I think this is why Mark White, you know, liked this issue so much. Um, because here's Cap questioning himself and comparing himself to the more violent characters out there. Punisher, Cable, Wolverine. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm almost thinking Mark Grunewald is questioning, Right. Right, Mark Grunewald has been on the book for, oh gosh, I don't know, six, seven years now, right? Something like that. Uh, maybe eight years. Eight years, let's say. Um, and and I thought we'd been down this path. I thought we went down this path when he was like, you know, we've got um, John Walker. You know, the super patriot becoming Captain America and him becoming the. I thought we went down this path where it was like, okay, Cap's questioning himself, but no, he realizes his place. It almost feels like Mark Grunewald is, is the impetus behind all this. Like, you know, you because know, let's face it. In 1991 and 1992, if you looked at the sales of comics, Captain America was not up there. It was pretty low. And guys like Wolverine and Punisher and Cable were high. And so here's Mark kind of like questioning maybe his place in championing Captain America. Uh, you know, I, I think you're absolutely onto something, Rick. We've talked about this, you know, time and again uh, before. And, you know, there is this tension, right, between what the public wanted at the time, what was popular in pop culture, 
and uh, the way that Grunewald envisioned Captain America. And so, yeah, I think he is trying to, to work that out. And again, trying to make a case for why Cap is still relevant, uh, even in the 90s, when everything is screaming that maybe he's not. But I don't know, you know, because I, I will tell you, there's, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at the end of, of, this, uh, of this issue, but already I'm seeing some things like from, from my, my, my looking at Cap and thinking, what the hell is he doing? Right? Um, no, I agree. Because it, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's almost not Cap in some ways. Yeah, it's like when we were talking la- last episode with Mark. You know, part of, remember when you brought up the question about Thor and, and being worthy? And part of it was questioning whether you were worthy? Yeah. You know, was, was what made you worthy? Right. I think the fact that Steve is is questioning himself goes to further prove why he's so valuable and and, in such a, you know, um, a a character that we all look up to is because because of issues like this, because of panels like this, where he's busy questioning himself just shows why, you know, he's such a character to, to look up to. I agree with that, but, but I think there's a fine line between um, being introspective about your unworthiness and seeking validation of your worthiness. And so. You think he's seeking validation right now? I do. I mean, that very, very first panel asking for a vote about whether he should Mm -hmm. stay uh, in charge is, is different than saying, I'm stepping away because I, I don't think I can provide the leadership that you need right now. It's clear that I can't uh, based on what happened um, mm. right to the Supreme Intelligence and, and stepping away. But instead, he asked for a vote to either to validate that, yes, they still need him. Right? Was he seeking that or was he seeking a way out? I don't know. Maybe it was one or the other. Maybe, you know, it depends on how you view the situation. But to me, that I, I, that's bothersome to me that he would like do that. Huh. You know, that's a great that's a great point. Because um, I can totally see that. I could totally see that he was like, all right, you, you know, I, I voted a certain way. You guys went another way. If that's the case, then fine. If you know, then I'm not going to I'm not going to be here anymore. So everybody say I. You don't want me? Right. It seems petulant. A little bit. Right? Um, yeah. But he is struggling. Yeah, of he course. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I would be remiss to not mention the fact that next issue, 402, <laughs> begins the the six-part story of Cap Wolf. And who is in Cap Wolf? Cable and Wolverine. Two of the three people he just mentioned. Good point. So yeah. I, I think Mark Rumwell is like, if you can't beat him, join him. Exactly right. Yeah, and and then and add a werewolf. Yeah. So then we get a yo cap. You in there? It's me, Hawkeye, or Goliath, or just playing Clint, whatever. And I love this next panel, Bob, because this is the one that really looks like the one that's on the cover. Yeah, because the, the, the shadow on his face, and you see Cap just sitting there, slumped in his chair with his shield on his desk and, you know, uh, 
and then you you see the flagpole behind him, which I don't I don't think it's by mistake, right? Like that's an important part of, of who Cap is. And then and then there's the trash can with all the shredded paper. <laughs> so it basically he's not answering Clint at the door. I need some advice deciding which costume identity I should go with. Cap? No answer. Hmm. Peggy said his computer was online, so he was probably here. Guess he left it on and slipped out. That Later that evening, we cut to a room where it has the podium where Cap's going to address everybody, and there's a whole bunch of folding, folding chairs. I'm a little disappointed. This is the Avengers mansion. Yeah. Really? Do we have metal folding chairs like the most uncomfortable chairs you can imagine and there's rows and rows and rows and rows of folded metal folding chairs come on you know some of these guys uh have a quite high body density so you know those chairs they got to go through those at a rapid clip that's a good point so there's only three characters there sitting and then there's a bunch of empty chairs i mean like a bunch and who are the three characters bob Black Widow, Clint Barton Hawkeye, and Wanda Maximoff. Yeah, so Clint, des- Clint decided to go with the uh, the uh, the Hawkeye costume, and, and I see the irony too because these are all three former form reformed right. criminals, if you will, right? And then there's Natasha. Never seen Steve so tense, withdrawn. I asked him to work out with me, and he turned me down flat. You at least got him to speak to you. I think he's been avoiding me all day. And then Scarlet Witch. I hope some of the others show up soon. Steve is going to be awfully disappointed when he sees this poor turnout from his se- for his seminar. Yeah, well, a lot of the guys had to... Uh-oh, here he comes. Steve walks out to the podium... And you see the disappointment on his face. Uh, Wandy, Iron Man, and and most of the West Coast Avengers had to get back to their business and um, told me to give you the regrets. Hercules in the night went to fly Gilgamesh back to Europe. Crystal's with her baby. The vision's looking into getting his skin fixed. I get the picture, Natasha. You three are it. The ones who really need to hear this aren't here. Hmm. He looks disappointed. And then he turns around and he leaves. This is pointless. Sorry I wasted all your time. And Clint's like, whoa. And just then, the door opens and there's Thor, a.k.a. Eric Masterson. Sorry I'm late. Did I miss anything? Oh, brother. So they're in the kitchen. Three of them are in the kitchen. And Natasha is talking with Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. We've got to do something for Cap. He's headed for a breakdown. Like, what can we do, Tosh? For starters, I think you should take him out for a night on the town. You mean get him drunk? You gotta be... No. Talk to him man to man. Try to dispel the gloom he's in. You're one of his oldest friends here. Yeah, but 
Cheering up depressed living legends ain't one of my specialties. Sure wish the Falcon could get back. And then we get to Cap's private headquarters. And you see Steve laying on his bed. He's in costume. He's got his mask down, of course. But he's laying there and he's got one knee up and he's got his arms, you know, wrapped behind his head. But Clint comes in and he's pointing at him. Okay, old timer, enough moping around. You and me are going out. Can't, Clint. I've got to stay here. I'm waiting for word about some missing Avengers and some missing support personnel. And I want to be here when... Get out of here. Peggy can beep you on your car, wherever you are. Now, come on. I ain't taking no for an answer. Here, take off the union suit and put these on. And he goes to his dresser and he starts throwing clothes at Steve and it lands on him. Clint, I... Don't make me get rough with you, man. I intend to use your bed as a trampoline. Do you get out that flabby red, white, and blue backside of yours? And he starts jumping up and down on Steve's bed. Think I care if jumping on the bed's against the bylaws? Okay, Clint. Stop. You win. And then we cut back to um, the Pontiac Ferro, right? And we got... Uh, the two of them driving away somewhere in New Jersey. Now I, I got to tell you, do you ever watch um, Sopranos? I haven't. No, mm. I have not watched the Sopranos. All right. So for the listeners out there, um, there's a scene where, um, gosh, I can't remember one of the guys from uh, Tony Sopranos crew. Uh, the, the, the guy who's, played by um the uh the musician from the e street band i can't remember his name eddie van zandt yeah he's he's driving um the this the girlfriend of one of the crew out in the middle of new jersey to take her to kill her i did see that scene yeah i watched that scene on youtube yeah, yeah. and th- this is reminiscent of that is, but but yeah. but actually this came way before that, yeah. way before that. Um, but here it is, a car driving through uh, the, the New Jersey, and it's got all the trees around, and they're going off to this desolate place. Look, Cross, I've told you everything I know about Captain America already. His shoe size, what he likes to eat for breakfast, his unlisted extension, the kind of music he listens to. What more do you want from me? Yeah. Plenty more, Ratzel. Plenty more. That junk you told me would be great if I was writing a profile for People Magazine. But it's nothing that's going to get me straight. But it's nothing that's going to get me back in tight with the Red Skull. What are we doing here? You're at a gas station. You're going to make a phone call. I want you to call up Cap and tell him you're spending a few weeks skiing with an old friend. You say exactly that and no mess ups. And I promise I'll roll you up some chow. You act up and I'll see you starve. Oh, okay. And then she, she calls the hotline and Peggy Carter answers. This is Rachel Layton. I'm skiing with an old friend of mine. Tell Cap you shouldn't worry. Rachel, this is Peggy. Don't hang up. Rachel. 
I should call Cap. He's been waiting for some word from her. But Black Widow's there with Peggy. No, Steve needs one night away from all his problems. But he, I know he's very concerned about her. But the message you pass on to him is so sparse, it would only serve to agitate him further. Here's what I'll do. Hop on a skycycle, check out the number, see if Diamond Box okay. Please, Peggy, wait to call him till you hear from me. Cap respects your judgment enough to have appointed you deputy leader, Natasha. All right. So then we cut to the lower west side, and we see Steve and Clint Barton in their civvies walking the streets. Are we almost there yet, or are you lost? Hey, it's been a few years since I called this burg home, Steve. Cut me a little slack, huh? Sides, we're here. This is your idea of a, uh, of a bar. Yeah, let's go in. I'll tell you my theory. And it's a laughing horse bar. There's three kinds of bars. Yuppie bars, low-life bars, and old men bars. And what's this? A low-life bar. Of course, they're the most fun. I don't know about this, Clint. This is really not my kind of scene. What are you talking about, man? You used to always lecture me about training myself to adopt to any situation I happen to find myself in. Well, were you just blowing smoke? Where should we sit? So they're sitting at a table in this bar. Bob, do you want to describe the bar a little bit to the listeners? It looks like a great bar, Rick. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I see, uh, let's see, what do we got there? We got, uh, looks behind uh, Clint and uh, and Steve. It looks like we got Popeye, the sailor man, hanging out at the bar, uh, which is great. I see a sign on the wall that says, Tipping is not a village in China, which is uh, true. Uh, lots of uh, interesting <laughs> looking folks in there. It looks like Humphrey Bogart playing pool. Um, looks like, is that the, uh, is that the Avengers also playing pool with Humphrey Bo- I mean, the Avengers from the TV show. Yeah. It's funny you should bring that up, Bob, because if you go to, uh, marvel.fandom.com about this particular issue, um, they do, um, list a whole bunch of characters, both historical and fictional that are appearing in the bar. So you already mentioned Popeye. And John Steed and Emma Peel, the TV show Avengers. Um, but they are also, and we'll get through this as we go through these panels, but there's Dick Tracy. There's the yellow kid from one of the, I think, original comic strips of all time. James Bond, Albert Einstein, Minnesota Fats, Groucho Marx, um, Adams family. You got uh, Gomez and Morticia Adams and then um, Lurch, who's their butler. We got Humphrey Bargard, as you mentioned, um, Reed Fleming. And then from the comic strips, we got Dagwood Bumstead. Um, Also, Rod Serling, Elvis Presley. So, yeah, um, Rick Levins, I guess, was having a little bit of fun here. And he drew a lot of these characters into the backgrounds of this bar. That's pretty neat, actually. That's I, I love when uh, when artist uh, creators do this sort of thing, just to draw the eye and just create a little bit of a uh, little extra excitement, right? The yeah. Things to look for. Easter eggs, things like this are always fun. So just comes up to uh, the two guys and says, what'll it be? And Clint says, uh, 
A pitcher on tap, my good woman, and two frosty mugs. Come on, Clint. You know I don't drink. I'm, I'm a role model for Not tonight you aren't. Tonight you're just a regular Joe. But I'm not. I can't even begin to bring myself to pretend to be anymore, Clint. I realized some time ago that every time I tried to put together a regular life for myself, it soon fell apart. Finally, I realized I, I had a choice to be a, a good Captain America or a lousy Steve Rogers. Guess which I chose. So you don't have any civilian friends anymore? No. They've mostly all fallen away by the wayside. The Avengers and the headquarters crew are the only people in my life right now. And even they're slipping away. The Avengers may not have voted me out this morning, but as tonight's seminar approved, I've lost the ability to inspire them. And then Clint takes his mug and just slams it down on the table. If that's what you think, then you ought to quit, Steve. You see how much they need you then. Wait, I know. I'll quit too. And the two of us can form our own team. Yeah. And we'll only let guys who have strong ethical principles like ourselves join. What do you say? No, Clint. That's nuts. I'm not about to compete with the Avengers for criminals to fight it and emergencies to handle. Well, then maybe you ought to just take a leave of absence. No. The Avengers need me. Galactic Storm has left our ranks very unstable. Steve... Just for once, why don't you put your own needs in front of those of others? Listen to me, as your friend, I'm telling you, you need some time off from the grind. You're heading for a job burnout. If that happens, you're going to be no good to the Avengers or yourself. I don't know. There must be something you need to do, Steve, just for yourself, just to get back on even keel. Well, actually there is. I was in this relationship with this woman. I guess I took things too slowly. Never once let her know how I really felt about her. Then do something about it. Take her in your arms and, and tell her, man. I can't. She's one of the missing persons I told you about. Oh. And then Clint thinks to himself, I'm a fine one to give advice about relationships with my own marriage on the rocks. I ought to practice what I preach. If I could just... Steve! Tony Stark. Here? Peggy told me where you guys were. Mind if I join you? Sorry I missed your seminar. I had a lot of Stark Enterprises business to attend to in L.A. Just made it back. I wasn't expecting you anyway, Anthony. Right. Clint, Steve and I need to talk alone. Am I making yourself scarce for a bit? What? Ah, uh, okay. feel like sh shooting some pool anyway. And that's when he walks up to Minnesota Fats. Our relationship has been on the rocks for much too long, Steve. I, I'd like to clear the air, if that's possible. A drink? Yeah, Diet Coke. Let's start where it went sour. My armor wars. Where you broke into a government penitentiary and caused a jailbreak. We fought. You sucker punched me and ran. 
promising me an explanation for the necessity of your actions when it was all over. Instead, you publicly blamed your outrageous behavior on a renegade Iron Man. And when you sent word you wanted to see me, you didn't try to explain one blessed thing. You just said that we were likely to play on the same team at some point in the future, so we better call a truce to our differences. You didn't even try to justify your criminal actions. I was so stunned. I couldn't even press you on it. Things got out of hand, Steve. Once I started trying to confiscate all of my stolen technology, I, I just became so obsessed. I, I had to pursue it to its logical end. I knew you could never understand that. You don't believe that the ends justify the means. So I didn't even bother. In retrospect, I, I should have at least tried. And that brings us to the events of the past few weeks. You surrendered our team, Avengers, to the Kree militia without disconsulting me, the team leader. The decision to gamble with our lives was not one you should have taken unilaterally. Yes, I, I know it happened to work out in our favor. Then after Cersei pulled our fat out of the fire, you got steamed with the way she did it and decided to go your separate way. The heck with the rest of us. I just couldn't afford to have Cersei mess with my armor again, Steve. It, it's not just the source of my power. It's my life support. And finally, most critically, you were the one of the ringleaders of the Avengers execution squad who stormed off to terminate the Supreme Intelligence. I truly believe that conventional standards of morality or an inapplicable in times of war. It wasn't our decision to make, Tony. He should have been put on trial, like the war criminals of World War II. You left out that I abandoned you on the Cree homeworld to go after the Negabon. I can understand that one, Tony. I'd, I'd have made the same decision. And then we cut to Natasha, who's following up, following up on her promise, where she is... Um, she ended up going to tracing where the phone was, and it was a, hmm, this is the phone Diamondback called from, a payphone. No sign of her. I'll ask the station attendant if we saw anything. And then 20 miles away, the car is parked, and Crossbones is leading Rachel into the woods. Very much like that scene from Sopranos. Guided only by the light from the flip-up headlights of the Pontiac Fiero. Cross, I did what you said. What are you doing? Where are you taking me? Right here, toots. And then he lifts up the lid from the ground that's covered by grass. This is a former fallout shelter for that muty magneto. Imprisoned the Red Skull a few months back. When was that, Bob? Uh, that was an issue 368, Rick. Don't know how Mags found it, but you could bet your bottom. He figured it was a good place to stick somebody he didn't want disturbed. And here's the rope I left last time. Climb down. But I don't think I'm strong enough to climb down or fall down. 
So then we cut to the next scene and the two of them are in in the chamber. Ha! A mere ten foot drop. Nothing to it, huh? And he's got his flashlight in looking around this, this dark area. Look around, Ratzel. This is our new home. We're going to be spending a lot of time down here, you and me. Down here in our hidey hole. I'm going to become your best friend. I'm going to teach you how to be exactly like me. I'm going to teach you the toughness you need to survive. No. Funny, ain't it? After all these years, you're finally getting what you want. I'm finally going to let you join my gang. We cut back to Manhattan. After the bomb exploded and we were revived from that weird thing Cersei did to us, I looked around in a daze, thinking, where's Cap? Then I remembered you were still on Hala, probably dead. You may choose to disbelieve this if you want, but that thought made me... I... Look, I'm not the crying kind, Steve. I didn't cry at my own father's funeral. But right then and there, I realized that in this crazy business we're in, there's no one I'd miss more than you. And I, well, you're an inspiration to me, Steve. To a lot of us. We may not think like you or act like you, but we still respect you and appreciate what you do and the way you do it. You're an idealist in a world that is far from ideal. I don't know how you can do it, Steve. How you can keep all the ugliness from getting you, hardening you. I can't. I'm not as perfect as you. Forgive me. Tony, I'm not perfect either. I'm sometimes too quick to judge, too slow to forgive. I appreciate how you how much courage it took to come here in a bar of all places and to level with me like you just did. I'm really sorry our ideological differences bent our friendship out of shape. I miss having you as my friend. I'd like us to let bygones be bygones. And he reaches out and Tony takes his hand and shakes it. So would I. And then Tony gets up and he leaves. So Steve walks over to Clint, who just beat Minnesota Fats, shooting pole. Tony left Clint. I'm going back to the mansion. Hold on. I'll go with you. As soon as Fats here pays up. Hmm. And then they get uh, to the Avengers headquarters. And who's there waiting for them but U.S. agent. About time you came crawling in, Rogers. Where's the Falcon? Where's right around the corner? And here comes Falcon walking by, and he's got D Man with him. Dennis. Dennis, it's you. What what happened to you? I I, I thought you not to heck with I thought. It's really great to see you, man. And Steve's so 
the, the biggest smile we've seen on Steve's face in a long time. And he goes up to hug Dennis Dumpy, but Dennis is just all canatonic and doesn't respond. And Clint thinks to himself, wow, is Steve ever happy? If this doesn't yank him out of his funk, he's been in nothing well. Yo, agent, you did good for once. So what took you so long? I thought you guys were missing in action. Hey, Bobbin, we had a lot of ultimatum agents taken into custody. Then we developed engine trouble. Uh, what am I explaining to you? Your friend's really out of it, Steve. Whatever happened to him in the auto must traumatize him. I'll get him the best medical attention available. Agent? Yeah. Thanks. I owe you, pal. And he goes up and he shakes his hand. And John Walker thinks to himself, Him? Call me pal? And they cut to the very last panel, Bob. And it's Cap looking a little hopeful. Got a little smile on his face, a little hope in his eyes. Maybe things will work out for me yet. Maybe in the words of Lennon McCartney, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. The end. Who's Lennon McCartney? Uh, they were in a band, I think. I think that was a band at some point. Oh, yeah. I am. Sounds familiar. Hmm. Can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe we should ask J.M. Demetrius. Yeah, right. That's wow. his favorite band, the Beatles. Is it? Is it, is it his favorite band? Oh, yeah, it's wow. favorite. I band. did mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's more of a Lennon guy. I'm more of a McCartney guy. But you know what? That's okay. We'll get. We get along. I'm more of a George Harrison. You know. Are you? Namaste. Ah. Yeah. The Dark ah. Horse. Yeah. Krishna, Krishna. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Hey, did you ever tell you a story about how the Traveling Wilburys got together? You did tell oh, me the story about oh, the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, I think I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good story, too. All right, Bob, what do you think of this story? Uh, good story, Rick. Good story. I mean, it is a lot of grist for the mill, right? Uh, I told you I had, a little, I had a little problem with the beginning. It didn't seem very cap-like to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really... Uh, look, the hero of this issue is Tony Stark. Right. And, and oh, Clint, I love that. I, I, I want to hear more. Tell me. Yeah, more. I, I, the two here. I, I think uh, Clint Barton, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Clint Barton mm-hmm. for being a friend, right? Uh, he doesn't always see eye to eye with, with, with Steve Rogers. They don't always get along. Um, but he's there for Cap, right? He's an old friend. Uh, and that just goes to show that even old friends don't have to see eye to eye all the time. They don't have to get along, but they're there for each other. And he's there for, for Steve when he needs somebody, he needs a friend, uh, because even kind of like a brother. Yeah. Kind of like a brother. Right. And, and, and Stark, as I said, he's, he's the hero of this book, um, because, uh, he built that bridge. Right. Um, and he's, everything he said was absolutely right. Uh, and, and, and I, and, and Steve's reaction that um what 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 exactly did steve say he had he had a little little something that he said here that uh struck out um struck me here hold on i'm sorry i know i don't know if the same thing bob but i like the fact that steve admitted i'm not perfect either sometimes too quick to judge that's and too slow to forgive yeah that's it right there and that that is a weakness that i think steve rogers has um he has a hard time 
seeing that not everyone around him is necessarily as committed to, um, doesn't have the discipline or doesn't, they, they don't commit themselves 110% every time to abiding by their values and principles. Because that's hard for anybody to do, right? Uh, and some folks understand Indeed. that, right? They understand that and they go, I'm just, I'm doing the best I can. And that's good enough for them, but it's not good enough for Steve. And that's always been Steve's weakness is that he's never really felt like he's done good enough, which is why he sometimes seeks validation. And I like the fact that, that Stark, you know, extended that hand, built the bridge and, you know, was, was, I hate to say it here, but in this case was a bigger man. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, and I, you know, it's like a good, any good story allows each person to find a little bit that they can relate to. Um, and, you know, just where, where it really resonates with them. So this part here and, and the things that you're mentioning, Bob, bring back to me why I think I've always resonated with Steve Rogers in, in those different things where, yes, I, I've always, I've always admired him. I was always appreciated him, but in some ways, some things that I feel that resonate with me is that, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, right? And, and the old Rick used to hold people to the same standards that I held. And then it, it took a little while for me to realize my standards are not the same as everybody else's. And, and I have to, uh, you know, let that go and, and realize that everybody else has it, their own way of doing things, their own point of view and so on. So re remember back in, uh, in episode, gosh, uh, 95, was when we had the comic shop guys on, right? We had a couple of my former uh, customers and one of my former employees on. And uh, I, I, I look back on that, you know, because this was 15 years ago. And I've, I'm, I feel like I'm a different person than I was 15 years ago. Sure, and, yeah. um, and, I, I look back and I, I feel bad because I was a bit of a perfectionist and I said, this is my work ethic. And I expected that of the guys that worked at my shop. And that was not, you know, that was not rightfully so, you know? So uh, I think Seth uh, and as well as some other employees probably kind of smile and when they hear, hear this and they're like, Oh, yeah, he was, but we appreciate it. There was a North Star that we needed to to go towards, right? But, you know, we didn't necessarily always measure up. And that was my own fault, right? And I think Steve's the same way. I think Steve has this huge expectation of himself, which translates into his fellow Avengers, translates into his colleagues, translates into other people in his life. And I think he's realizing much like I have that, you know what? Tony Stark isn't, he may, he and I may not be on the same page, but he may not do things exactly the way 
I want him to do it or I expect people to to attain to, but we can still be friends. You know, we can still appreciate each other. We can still admire each other and still work towards a common goal. Right. Yeah. And I just, did I just take this to a whole nother level? No, you did. I mean, no, but you're, I mean, you're spot on. I think that's, that's exactly it. Because at the end of the day, I think, you know, uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark um, is not, he's not doing what he's doing out of, out of ill intention, right? He's trying to do the right thing. Uh, and I, I think that counts for a lot. So, oh, yeah. you know, Steve and, and Tony may come at a problem from two different perspectives, two different life experiences and two different solutions. That doesn't necessarily mean he's coming at it from a bad way, just because it's from a different way. Uh, exactly. and, yeah. yeah. And that's where the mutual respect comes from. Yeah. I hear you. All right, Bob, what's your favorite panel? I don't know who goes first. Who goes first on this one? I'm going to let you go first, Rick, because I'm just impressed that you did all the voices. <laughs> I did, didn't I? I really thought I was like, oh, he's too many different voices. I can't do them all. Um, I don't remember who goes first, but if you want me to go first, I can go first. That's I'll fine. let you go do it. Should I do it? Do it. All right. All right. My favorite panel. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with page 10, which I think if you're on um, Marvel Unlimited, that would be like page 11. But page 10, I'm going to go with panel four. And this is where um, Cap's laying on the bed and Clint takes clothes and just throws them on top of him. That was, that was going to be my pick. Rick. No way. I swear to God. Seriously? I love it. It's so amusing. Isn't it? Is yeah. it? The reason I picked it is because we'll never see this panel again ever. Right? It has to come before and we'll never see it again. Right. Where Cap's laying on a bed in his uniform. He's got his mask off, but he's laying there in his uniform with his hands behind his head. And and there's there's a there's a shirt thrown over top of his face and uh and you know, pants thrown over his legs and you know what I mean? Like I, I just found that humorous. Right. Like here's a living legend, Captain America, and here's Clint Barton, his his colleague throwing his civilian clothes on top of him and saying like, come on, man, you know, get off, get off the bed. Yep. That's my favorite panel. All right. That's a good panel. I, I'm going to go with uh, the one a few pages before that, where it's that one panel you mentioned, Rick, that we see on the cover that mm. is, it's actually borderless, right? It's, it's cap sitting at his desk with the flagpole uh, behind his right shoulder and a, a video monitor hanging down from the ceiling. He's got mm -hmm. his, his shield on, on his desk with a cup of coffee, his phone, his keyboard, and he's just sitting there, you know, dejected, right? Mm -hmm. Looking looking down with his cowl down around his neck and his blonde, beautiful blonde wavy hair and his his uh, wastebasket full of shredded paper. But it's 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 uh it's it's just a it's a powerful emotional panel without necessarily a lot of detail, but it conveys a lot. It really does. Yeah. I, well, well explained. Um, something tells me that you had this in your back pocket because you pivoted very quickly and had a great explanation. Nimble. I'm nimble like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is, uh, what do you think is t-shirt worthy, Bob? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. It's the next page. And it's the last panel on that page. I, 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 I do like the one and I, and I would want 
uh, the word bubble, where cap is just, hmm. Okay. Yeah, I want, I'd like that on a shirt with just, hmm, because there's so many times throughout the day when somebody says something to me and I go, <laughs> hmm. And you have a shield on your back and shadows on your face. Right. And I have that same sort of expression of disillusionment and disappointment on my face. So yeah, mm. I'd like that on a t-shirt. How about you? We're very close, Bob. We're very close in the fact that it is a close up of um of cap uh with a uh, white background. So we we have that. My mine is the very last panel of the story. And that is um, where we just see the smile of Cap's face. And he has that look of hope in his eyes. And he and I, I would also want the word balloons where it says, maybe things will work out for me yet. Maybe in the words of Lennon McCartney, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. I think that appeals to both. Marvel fans and comic fans and Cap fans and Beatles fans. Uh, I think that's t-shirt worthy. I think that, that's a good choice. It's a good choice. All right. All right. How about, um, what about uh, time capsule? Time capsule worthy. Time capsule. Uh, I'm going to go with the double page flash on page two and three. Um, I, I was tempted to kind of go in the bar you know, because there was so many different things from the bar. Yeah. But, but there's so many different time periods. Like what, what represents 1992? And I was thinking the double page splash from page two and three, seeing that uh, roster of Avengers, East Coast Avengers, West Coast Avengers. Heck, there was back when we had West Coast Avengers. And then seeing this roster of characters that quite frankly, you know, really points to 1992 because if you think about it, when was the last time you saw Gilgamesh? When was the last time you saw the living lightning or that version of uh, Spider-Woman, right? Or Clint as Goliath or the white um, uh, vision, right? I like, like, this this one totally paints a picture i think that is um encapsulates that time period interesting i was going to go with the with the bar uh, as well because i think um you know it's interesting I, I i made a post on facebook uh i think yesterday rick you know in, in recording time mm-hmm. and uh it was about how i I mentioned the Beverly Hillbillies when I teach my classes on sustainable energy security. Yeah, I saw that post, yeah. And I I do it because I I talk about how easy it was back uh, in the day, uh, 100 years ago, 75 years ago, 50 years ago, to to sink an oil well and to find crude oil. And up from the ground comes a bubbling crude, right? Because Jed was out hunting squirrels Mm -hmm. and he shot Mm -hmm. at the ground and crude came bubbling out. And I even sing the song and nobody knows who the hell the Beverly Hillbillies are. Among my students, can you sing the song right now, Bob? I cannot. I cannot. Okay. Yeah. Um, but but uh, when I see all those the, that crowd in the bar, and I think of all those characters, and I think how sad—not sad, but just inevitable, right? That so many. When this came out, most people would have been able to recognize those characters. That's but true. That's a good point. As, as the years go by, you know very unlikely that those characters would be recognizable to most people, maybe Elvis, you know, young Elvis. Um, 
but very few of, of the others. So that would have been a, a great time capsule for me because I, I love those sorts of things. So which one, Bob? You but I'm not. But I'm not. I'm going with uh, I'm going with the phone booth that uh, that Diamondback uh, had to call Avengers uh, uh-huh. headquarters. Because you, you love the phone booth. You go. Yeah, I do. You've done. That. I do. You know because I uh, I have used those in the past for desperate calls and. Um, just, well, I don't know where we were the other day with my wife. You ever see Dumb and Dumber? So you're saying? Yes, of course, yes. right? But you know that scene where like the gas man like is in the phone booth and he's on the phone and that like that really like skinny squirrely guy comes up and he's like, get off the phone. And like mm-hmm. the guy turns around and like it really upsets like the skinny dude who wants to use the payphone and then he opens the door and punches him in the face and knocks him out. I, I use that joke every time I do see a phone booth, which is so very, very get rare the these days. Yeah. And I, I did it just the other day and my wife didn't get the joke, right? Because she's not a big fan of Dumb and Dumber. Uh, my son would have gotten it had he been there because we've watched that movie uh, over and over again. But the, the payphone always speaks to me of the 70s and 80s. But in the 90s, it was already dying out. And you barely see them anymore, if at all. That's true. Yeah. If only it had an attache case. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's where you kept your quarters for the payphone. All right, Bob. So what are we going to talk about next episode? This has been a lot of fun. We've been going through uh, the decades, right? We did the uh, Cap meets Nick Fury, 64. Uh, Cap and Falcon versus Spider-Man, 71. Cap at the Skull House, 87. Now we're in 1992. Should we take a uh, maybe a little step back? What do you think? I'm all for it. Let's do it. Let's step back. All right. You know, with the, with the, the new Wakanda Forever Black Panther 2 movie coming out. Um, you know who's a, a big, big uh, antagonist in that movie? That would be one Submariner, Namor. I just love the fact that you use the word antagonist in a sentence. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, he, he was the bad guy, Bob. Oh, there we go. Okay, okay. thanks. Uh, so let's do a, let's do a, a Namor story. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, because, because a lot of people talk about this, this period of time with um, a little gleam in their eye. Okay. Uh, We're talking eighties, but it's Mark Grunewald and it's the acts of vengeance story arc. Do you remember that? I do vaguely remember. I remember the, you know, the principal baddies fighting it out. Yeah, it was a story about because um, you know it was always like you know Doctor Doom versus Fantastic Four, Red Skull versus Captain America, right? It was always like these villains were going up against their arch foes, and then somebody had the idea. I won't say who. Somebody had the idea to have villains fight characters that they don't normally go up against and um to see how they would do and anyway uh, it was a it was a great um i think it was like a, a little mini series and a crossover called acts of vengeance and um so you had the the major bad guys like i already mentioned 
Red Skull and and uh, Doctor Doom. But you know, um, Magneto and um, God, who are some of the others? Uh, I think it was like the the Wizard or something. not the Wizard, um, the Wizard, right? Um, and and so on. Anyway, they all got together and like we're gonna we're gonna help each other battle our enemies. So there was this uh, crossover. So there was these three issues, 365 through 367 um, uh, for Captain America. And these were the Acts of Vengeance crossovers that took place in um, the late 80s. So we we're just talking maybe like three or three years earlier than this. Um, but uh, the first part is Cap versus Namor the Submariner. So I thought that would be fun to to uh, to start with, and then we'll get through those three issues, and then the end is Magneto versus the Red Skull. So what do you think about those? I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, I think a lot of folks maybe read that a long time ago, maybe they haven't read it since, and I think it'd be a lot of fun to uh, to re revisit it. Excellent. So we should do that then. All right, we'll come back then for episode 110 and we will uh we'll cover that from 1989, I think it is. Um and then just give a little foreshadowing since we're we're talking about uh Black Panther movie. I think it also be fun Bob, we should we should do a Captain America Black Panther story after that. What do you think? Yeah, that's always a good idea. There aren't that many of them out there, so we should right, definitely do one. We did the we did the story where Cap met Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? Which was at the end of Tales of Suspense, and we did you know we did that story arc. Uh, so that was that was fun. Um, but there was this mini series in 2010 called Captain America: Black Panther: Flags of Our Fathers, and it was a four issue mini series. I think. I think we should cover that too. That, that, that'll be a good one. Yep. I think uh, that one is not well known. Um, some folks have read it. Some folks kind of passed that by at the time, but I think uh, it would behoove us to dive into that. Yeah. So it's a World War II story. So it's basically Steve Rogers uh, back when he was um, in World War II and it's not um, the Black Panther you think, but it's, it's one of the the previous Black Panthers, one of the, one of the Kings from, from from that time period in the 1940s um and as a four-port miniseries we'll kind of break that up so we'll probably break that up uh we'll do two issues in episode 111 and then we'll finish it up in episode 112 and then in episode 113 we have a special guest coming on the show uh and i think we we hinted at before this is a, a writer so um you can make your guesses but uh anyway that's the next four episodes. So come back, episode 110, where we cover Acts of Vengeance, Cap versus Namor the Submariner. All right, count me in. Excellent. Well, as always, Bob, it's been fun wrapping Cap with you. It has. I can't wait till next week. All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. 